Welcome to the I and Team Podcast with Brian Smith and Mary Smith. You are more important to your team than you might believe. Everybody has something to contribute, and most importantly, that's influence. Learn more on today's program. Now, here is Brian Smith and Mary Smith. Hello, team. Welcome back to the I and Team Podcast. I'm here with you, Mary Smith, with my dad, Brian Smith, and every Friday we talk about influence and how it reaches you everywhere you go. Today our guest is David Averin. He is an author, consultant, and keynote speaker, and he has a new book, Why Customers Leave and How to Win Them Back. We're going to be talking about that a little bit today, and thank you so much for joining us today, David. Yeah, thanks, David. Thank you. I have a question um, that I would love to ask you based on some of the research I did before you came. Sure. Um, so one of your books, Visibility Marketing, I was reading the description for the book on Amazon, and one of the paragraphs is that we as humans have no unmet needs and that businesses are currently making solutions to problems that they are creating. And in an interview that actually wasn't an interview, it was just you were talking, you were speaking in a video. Mm -hmm. I was watching one of those videos. You also said that in order to like break a market, you have to be an expert. Being an expert is the entry fee now. Right. So everyone's experts, right? So my question for you based on those two things is what advice or how do you think millennials can break into the workforce when those two things are true, when things are already done? Right. Well, I mean, and let me back up a little bit here because that assertion has actually caused a little bit of controversy in talking to others as well. When I make the assertion that we really have no unmet needs and others were sort of accusing saying, well, are you understanding the people, there are people who are, are hungry and the people, it's not the point I'm making. It's like we're, we live in an amazing time. There are clearly individuals around the world in America as well that, um, that struggle with finances or anything else, but it's an interesting time in history where we have a solution to every problem. We have a um, 47 flavors for every, everything. I mean, there was a time when we really, there were so many new um, innovations and, and, and things that really sort of solved our problems. Today, like the primary, my primary need is I need a bigger uh, snow blower than, than Kevin down the street, or I need a bigger TV. Mm -hmm. And so what's interesting in the marketplace is what you found is that companies sort of trying to create new supposed problems that we don't have, you know, but they'll hold up the peanut butter. I just, I just feel like I want to do all I can for my kids. So I'm doing this peanut butter. Really? We have, there's not a, there's not a company for people listening right now. There's not a company out there that couldn't disappear from the face of the earth. Despite some very sad family members and employees, the marketplace would be fine because we have so many other choices. Right. So what we see is a lot of entries into the marketplace of things like, like fit vegetable spray. Have you seen these commercials? You're supposed to spray this on vegetables because apparently we're not getting them clean enough. And the, you know what? Not buying it. Not well, buying funny, it. Because that's just vinegar and water. That's right. all it is. Like right. you just soak those things in vinegar and water and you're fine. But but they're creating a product that supposedly we need to spray this. And I'm not buying it literally, figuratively. There's a solution looking for a problem. I wasn't going, you know what? My life is good. I just cannot get these vegetables clean enough. You know, it, it's not really an issue. So you're trying to see people, you're, you see a lot of companies sort of looking for those innovations. Now to answer your other question, how do you marry that up with younger people coming into the workforce? Uh, <clears throat> um, I don't think that they are, I don't think they're in conflict because 
even for the needs that we currently have met. I mean, we're looking at ways of doing things better and smarter and faster. And that kind of innovation, I think, benefits everyone. And there is nobody in the world who is more um, uh, flexible, um, comfortable with change, comfortable with technology than this emerging generation. For those of us, like your dad and I, um, who've been in business for a long time, us old guys, um, we're looking at this generation um, of smart, open, wise, open for anything. The world is, you know, at your feet. We love the optimism. We love the comfort with technology. The things that we uh, oftentimes are learning or some of our compatriots or our clients or others um, are struggling with. You guys, it's, it's Thursday for you. I mean, what somebody might be struggling with, it makes it very, very easy. So I think there's some wonderful opportunities for young people moving up um, to, uh, to continue to, to challenge us to be better, to think differently than we've thought forever. So I think it works that way. So David, I'm, uh, we've known each other a long time. Yeah. Uh, we met in 1996, 1997 uh, through Rotary. And there's been an evolution in your work. Uh, some of our viewers might not know that um, you have more than one book. You have um, five books. Five books. Yeah, five books. Marketing, so customer experience. Yes, right. But it started with marketing. This is my point of the question. Yep. Is that you started with it's it, it you started with the customer experience or marketing actually started at it's not who you know it's who knows you right and then it went to visibility marketing so you see that progression of. Sure. Uh, it's not who you know, who knows you. And then it went to visibility marketing. And then now you're, um, you know, uh, how to win your customers back. Right. right. So, um, or uh, why customers leave and how to win them back. Sure. Is more what, that's the name of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, the question is, is you've seen this evolution from got to get visible, which still is there. Right. To this whole new customer experience. You've got this new initiative out, the customer experience. And, um, talk about the difference between customer service and customer experience. Sure. And share with us your evolution, how you started and brought us to where you are today. Every legitimate question or inquiry or request from a customer, a prospect, partner, employee, or vendor deserves a moment of your attention. You know, for my background was, was, as you said, it was in marketing. So I spent 20 plus years. I had a marketing firm. Uh, we did work for Boston Market and others as well. So I was one of those crazy young people who um, was optimistic, started a marketing firm having never worked for a marketing firm. So I learned a lot in that. But the early part was really about, about visibility. And of course the market has changed because we have all these new techniques and strategies with social media, internet. I mean, when I started, we didn't have the internet. Um, so I was one of those people very early on, I was actually able to register my own name. So I own Averin.com. So I actually own my own last name. It's crazy because the earliest days, but there were a lot of people even in our industry saying, this is going to be the future online. There was a lot of question whether, but everything was about how do we create visibility? You know, your, your biggest challenge in business isn't your competitors. It's, it's anonymity. If they don't know who you are, they can't buy what you're selling. So most of my early work was in almost really in public relations. I got clients on Good Morning America and Today Show and Oprah and all of that as well. So really act as, acted as a publicist. That world has changed significantly. Um, the amount of magazines. And I mean, our focus was on TV and magazines and things that, I mean, my, my first book, it's not who you know is who knows you. I had a whole chapter and I talked a lot about MySpace. And so when they all sold out and I updated the book, you know, I, that was gone. You know, every time I mentioned Paris Hilton, I just replaced it with Kim Kardashian and all of a sudden it's, you know, it's, it's updated, but there was a progression. And so what I went in, in 
visibility marketing was about all sort of the new techniques and tactics about how do we create visibility? How do we create your tribe online and otherwise? And a lot of those things are true today, probably even more so. But the evolution of my business, um, and for those listening who, who don't know more about me, I, I speak for a living, I speak in a consult on marketing and customer experience. And I had spent decades helping companies get visibility, drive traffic, drive customers, only to find out that too often they were pissing them off, pardon the language. I mean, they were frustrating customers. And I'm like, I have no role in this. I can bring you, I can bring you one customer one time. And I can bring you another customer one time. And at that point, you better be good at what you do. And what I was finding more and more was conversations with, with clients and customers and others of, well, it didn't work because we weren't able to, I'm like, I have no role in that. So I went about doing some research about the title of my book, which was the genesis for the title, which is Why Customers Leave. You know how frustrated you can get when you can't get a return call or an email message goes unanswered. Why do you think your customers will feel any differently? And, and so that grew into a keynote, it grew into a book, it grew into consulting exercises and everything else. And it's been fascinating how it has been received because for those, because even for those of us who are in business and business people, we are also consumers, right? Our primary role in this economy is as a consumer. We're shopping at Walmart like everybody else. We're at Costco, we're buying TVs and we're buying whatever else. And so what I've heard over and over again is the things I talk about so resonated. People tell me they read the book or they listen to the book online. And they're just nodding the whole time going, oh, my God, I hate that. Oh, I hate that. Right, right. And so there's a lot of things we're talking about. How often do companies say no? How often um, is it so frustrating because you can't talk to a real person? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the, the, the things that, uh, you know, you buy from them once and you can guarantee you're going to get three emails a day, either asking you to take a survey or buy again. And so let's, let's bombard and overwhelm the people. So it's been a, an interesting progression. I see them as branches on the same tree, mm-hmm. which is all about competitive advantage. How do we stand out in the marketplace? We can do it with our language. We can do it with our marketing. And we can do it by envisioning and crafting and delivering a superior experience. So this took us, um, this discussion took us into some interesting territory um, since you've been here. Sure. About how we influence and how we influence our uh uh, customers, right, and patients, customers, you, you like to define them, you know, because some industries call them clients, some call them customers, some right. call them patients. Our right? vernacular is different, isn't it? Exactly, but they're all customers, right? Uh, you know, one way or the other. But yep. one of the discussions we've had that I think is really important and influence is that you go out and you create this visibility. You got to be visible and you got to be out in front of the marketplace, right? Right. And you're trying to bring people in. Uh, what about the influence that is affecting them and your ability to support them. You open up the funnel and you have all these people coming in, right? Because right. the internet's opened up and all right. these new marketing ways, but you're not ready. You're not ready to service them, right? And now, yeah, how do you get them back when you have poor customer service? And the customer experience isn't anything to do with the actual customer service department, but it's operational or it's a communication issue on the backside right. during operations. Yeah, you know, and, and I got to go back to your question before because it leads into this when you talk about sort of the difference between customer service and customer experience. Customer service, I think we get that. I think we, we get service with, we've been talking about this for 30 years. How do you treat people well? Doesn't mean everybody's good at it, but I think everybody understands what they're, what they're supposed to do. The customer experience is really a whole new um, 
a whole new genre that I think um, organizations are understanding more and more. I think a lot of people think it's just a natural progression from customer service or like marketing became branding, customer service became customer experience as if it's just a vernacular change. And it's not. It's really recognizing that how our customers do business with us at every point of contact along their journey plays a significant role in whether they're going to want to do business with us again. And so as you were talking about sort of the structural things, these companies are very good. Most people got in business because they were really good at something. Right, the e-myth, right? Right, the e-myth, right? They were very good at, at, at baking pies. They were very good at creating technology. But it doesn't mean that they have the expertise of building a business around that and a sustainable business around that. So as you and I were, were talking yesterday, we had this great conversation because you, the work that you do in helping organizations create structure and leadership and processes that, that support the vision of what it is that they do. I help them uh, create visibility and make sure that they're engaging the customer. And any one of those elements, any one of those pillars, if you will, that you fall short of, it, it can topple an organization. And right. so, or at least constrain them in terms of the kind of growth. And so, what we're seeing a lot, and I think for those who are, who are listening or watching this, I think many of them will be able to, to identify with this, is that there's certain parts of their business they're really good at. Um, and, but then there's other parts that they struggle. They, there's a danger. You know, I can help them drive a tremendous amount of traffic. The question is, are they ready for it? Do they have the internal processes to handle it? Do they have enough customer support staff to handle the orders? And we get organizations, I'm hearing from people who are reading the book right now, of saying we're recognizing that we're spending so much time on customer acquisition and so much resources on customer acquisition that we're not doing enough for the customers once they're with us. Right. right? They get handed off from the salesperson who's built this wonderful relationship and now it's the account manager. You think like, I've been dating this person. I've agreed to get married. And now you just handed me off to sister wife or something else. Yeah, like, right. But you weren't the one I had the relationship with. And then, and then we bleed 30% of our, our people, our, our customers year over year. Yeah. So what's really important, and, and I love our discussions together, is how do we make sure that we fortify and bolster organizations on every level so that everything supports everything because everything is connected. And yeah. any of those things can derail a company. Right. And actually, I'd really love to interject and kind of bring us back a little bit. Sure. You are discussing like the consumer as well. And I think our influence as consumers is extremely important. Like our influence isn't only our actions and our words. Like we talk about a lot, which I believe is like 90%. But I think a lot of people don't realize that our influence is also what companies we put our money towards. What are we supporting? Like one dollar, I'm telling this company, I believe in what you're putting out and I believe in what you're doing. So on the consumer side, I am very careful to only buy from companies. I support their mission. I support what they believe in. But on the other side, the side that you're helping, like you're helping them bring in customers. Have you seen any kinds of like shifts with companies? Like what are they seeing consumers want? And how are they achieving what consumers want? You know, it, it's interesting that you ask that because there has been a tremendous shift. Now, for a long time, companies have said that we always have to have, uh, make sure we have a cause. But how many of those, it was lip service or, you know, we did whatever. There is, there, there's two things that are converging right now. One is a generation that, that clearly not only cares, but, they, but they vote with their time and their money and their feet for companies who um, are socially responsible. So gone are the days where a company can't pay lip service. Oh yeah, we give money to the national cancer. Okay, yeah, what are you really doing? So the convergence is not only a generation that, that 
not only cares, but is really active in terms of their, their financial decisions. But the convergence is also the level of visibility that we have as to whether or not they're full of, of BS, mm-hmm. right? We can, we can see online. We don't have to go to a library and pull up their 990 to find out where their, their dollars are being spent, who's donating. It's all online. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so we can find out, we can find out um, social proof, we can find out comments from others. And so everybody's looking everybody up. And for those watching or listening, that's the other big issue is no matter what, whether you're looking to hire a new employee, you know, everybody's going to be, you're, before you're you make going, the, your Facebook, before you make a yeah. final decision, you're going to look them up on LinkedIn. You're going to see how often they're posting drunk pictures on Facebook or whatever else. Right. You know, everything is out there. But the same thing in terms of not just millennials, but other generations, we look for organizations that we're going to support. Sometimes from a B2B perspective, companies just want to make sure that there's no risk that they're going to support an organization where something bad's going to come out and their name's going to be tied to it. I'll give you something interesting. Um, I did some work, you know, I speak uh, across the country and around the world and I work with different organizations. So I worked with an organization. I'm not allowed to say who they are because I signed something. Let's just say they they produce um, motorized bicycles somewhere in the Milwaukee area. Let's just say that. Um, but, but, but have to sign some, I had to sign something that says that I'm not allowed to say that I worked with them specifically. I'm not allowed to use their name. Right. And not because we did, because there was anything about me, anybody they work with, they will not allow them to tie their name to this iconic brand because something may come out. Remember with Jared, and yeah, Subway, and that's right. Right, forever will be connected to that. Yeah. So, so Mary, I'm glad you brought that up because it's incredibly important for organizations to not only be socially responsible, um, but to make sure that they're authentic in doing so, and that they're very um, creative in how they communicate the work that they're doing. Um, there's an interesting sort of a, 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 a calculus when it comes to organizational sponsorships mm-hmm. that they that. It's basically a dollar for dollar. Like you have to spend as much money promoting the good work that you do as doing the work itself for it to be successful. Um, I know with your organization, you sponsor NASCAR, one of the cars. And then whatever the cost of that for the companies who do very well in that space, they may spend a million dollars on the sponsorship, but they're going to spend another million dollars on hospitality and the tent and bringing in the clients. And it's almost a dollar for dollar. There was a lot of controversy years ago that RJ Reynolds, you know, tobacco company, had spent, I, and I'm, I don't want to get this, this wrong, but like three to five times as much promoting that they had done charitable work than the actual charitable work, charitable work that they had done. Right. Today, that would be very, very visible. Yeah. So it's incredibly important. One of the, one of the things we talk about in influence for us, and as you know, I think influence is our biggest responsibility, which means that this next statement that emotions have taken over the buying decision in a right. lot of ways, from politics to what we believe in uh, in charities, and I'm talking about medical research. Cancer is a big one, right? I agree. I mean, we have a client that uh, made a product and made it pink, and they used it on rooftops. Okay, and whenever you drove up, you could see this in certain situations, and you would see this little. It was a hinge, and it was a pink hinge, right? And it had the little ribbon on it and some people didn't like it because it was pink right because some men have an aversion yeah aversion to pink right for some reason yeah now my son he likes to wear pink sometimes but but uh we had some clients that said take it down but we had one and i'll say i could say who it is it's costco who said yeah 
every rooftop that we use your product put that pink hinge on. So it was interesting to hear from one organization say no to another organization say yes. And at the end of the day, it was driven by emotion. And are you seeing that in when you're out speaking yeah. and writing that emotion is is swaying more than it has in the past? No, honestly, I think it's just more of a recognition. I think it's always been that way. There, there's a well-known adage that says we make decisions emotionally and we justify them intellectually. And that's not to say that we're overly emotional. It's that we buy for one basic reason, because we want to, mm-hmm. right? And then we'll justify what was the right price. But honestly, we buy things because we want to. And we'll justify and we'll find facts and figures and features and benefits that will say, this is why it was a smart decision. But at the end of the day, we, we want it, right? doesn't mean that we were like, oh my God, that's such a great TV. That may be a part of it. But even when there's choices of who we're going to work with in financial services, who we're going to work with, at the end of the day, I want to, whether I feel a connection that makes me want to, whether I, whether I, I like the color that makes me want to. So our job as business owners, in terms of influence, is to help people like us more. Mm-hmm. And, it's not, and that is not touchy-feely. That is not soft. That is tangible. It is a recognition. Um, and I think it's not necessarily just a growth. I think the growth is in the recognition that that's what influences people to buy. Right. Now, the companies, now oftentimes it depends on the industry. Influence comes in. If we're looking for financial services, what's the emotion? The emotion is, I want to feel safe and secure. This is my financial future. This is my family. This is all of this as well. So what makes me feel safer? Well, maybe it's gray hair. Maybe it's no hair. Maybe it's... It's what's the safe choice in the marketplace. Um, but it's different for somebody else. I mean, if, if I'm building a $140 million skyscraper, I want to make the safe choice, right? What's the safe choice? The safe choice is a company that's been around for a hundred years. We built a, a third of the skyline. We may not be sexy. It's the old line that you and I remember, which is no one ever got fired for hiring IBM, right? right, right. They may not be flashy, but they're safe. Well, if I'm buying technology, I don't want the oldest technology company. My criteria is very different. Yeah. You know, I don't say like we make, Slide projectors before Hewlett met Packard in third grade. <laughs> no, you got a company that's been around for five years. There were technology, something, these young millennials who are the incredible new. That makes us feel safe there. Right. That's the emotion. Right. And so influence, which is, which is, I know so much of what you, what you work on, influence comes from a couple of different ways. First and foremost, you have to be, you have to be I like the, the line that says, if, if you want to be well-known, you have to be well-known for something. Yes that you have to be better or smarter or faster or more innovative or something. Competency used to rule the day. Today, it's table stakes. Yeah. Being good at what you do is the entry fee. Yeah. So, so first, I think in terms of influence, you, you have to be better at something. You have to accomplish something. And then the other part is, is visibility. Do you have a tribe? Do you have a, do you have a marketplace? If you're going to get a book deal, you having influence means, okay, who, how big is your audience? Right. How many people do you speak to every year? How many Twitter followers Ex- you have? Exactly yeah. right. All this right. stuff is incredibly important to yeah. them. That means, in their mind, you have influence. Yes. Now, the challenge for some of us who are older is that we see people today who have great influence for no reason. Whether it's, it's empty. Kardashian. But, or, or but in, that shows you the power of influence, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, influence is... It can be reach. It could be reach. Right. And it could be petty. It could be, it have no meaning, tangible meaning to people's lives every day other than it makes them feel good. Right. And that's it. And that's that, the value. Right. right. And for us, we may be dismissive, but there is real tangible yes. dollar value. There's a reason why somebody will sponsor this YouTube star. And, and my daughter, and, and I love that we have opportunities to work with, with our brilliant kids. Um, she's in LA working for DreamWorks for three or four years on their YouTube channel. Yes. And everything is driven by metrics. 
engagement, yeah. followers, links, because they can monetize that. Because that's tangible. That's the other big change is there was the old line in marketing that we said for 30 years is that people would say, I know I'm wasting half of my marketing dollars. I just don't know which half. Today, they know because we have the data. We right. know which, what works, what doesn't. That's what Google and YouTube are all built on. Right. It's built on tangible analytics. You want to reach this market, use these words. Here's how many clicks. Here's what it's going to cost. Gone are the days where we throw and why there's been a big shift in dollars where we used to throw these big money to TV advertising. And we have no idea. Well, we might have an idea because somebody got a Nielsen box right. back in the day. Right. Now they have an idea. They'll do the, the day plus three. So how many people watch it on on, um, DVR, on DVR and things like that? Right, absolutely. Yeah. But still, how many of those translated into actual purchases? It's harder and harder. But big data today is allowing us to, to connect all of those. So influence... Um, oftentimes the dollars are shifting to things that they can actually count. Yes. You can look at page the views. Matter. The analytics really yeah. matter. You can't measure it. You can't manage it. Exactly right. right. You know, that's an old adage. That and that's an old our world. Right. And, yeah. it, and it's even more, um, more relevant today. Yeah. So, well, good. Well, David, do me a favor and share with everybody. Sure. How they can reach out to you. Um, how they can view uh, and uh, get to know you as a speaker yeah. and where they can find your books and which books they can find. So Absolutely. Well, thanks for the opportunity for that. The, the website is visibilityinternational.com. You can learn more about me and what it is that, that I do. I, I speak uh, across the country, around the world, I think like 24 countries now. I speak in a consultant, and my real focus today is on customer experience, helping organizations recognize at every point of contact how they can better engage, be memorable, uh, be more human, um, and and promotable to create that, that army of ambassadors and everything else. Visibilityinternational.com. Uh, my newest book is called Why Customers Leave and How to Win Them yeah, Back. For us. We can um, I do. Just yeah. grab that. We can yeah. show it to the camera. It's on Kindle. It's on hardback. It is on audio book as well. There you go. Why Customers Leave. And it's a great book. Um, I'm actually, I am honored, but I'm actually in the front of this book. I have a little blurb. You do have a little. Because I got to pre-read it. And everybody at IA um, has a copy. So, and uh, I think they surprised David yesterday. Some of them talked about it. And, yeah. Uh, Mary actually pulled a question out of it. So, it, it's, we're absorbing the customer experience. I appreciate that. If you want to watch like a, a brief video uh, or clips, just go to YouTube and, and, uh, and search my name, David Abernathy. That's but, what we do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, thank you. Hey, absolutely. Thanks. It's, it's great to be here. And, and any opportunity we have to connect, you're one of the most brilliant people as I suck up just a little bit and um, clear the apple falls um, not far from the tree. Yeah, I am blessed <laughs> to work with Mary being my daughter and the work we do together is inspiring to me and hopefully to others. Yeah. So I thank you for joining us. Uh, uh, wait for us for next week um, and we're going to have a new exciting guest. Watch for the updates and remember every Friday about noon the podcast comes out. Uh, the I and Team podcast, and visit us online at theiandteam.com um, or at iabusinessadvisors.com. And our book is still available at Amazon. Uh, individual Advantages, find the I and Team, learn your influence. It's the most important thing uh, and the biggest responsibility that you have. Great podcast. Subscribe. Yeah, click subscribe. Click subscribe. Yeah, subscribe, please. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the I in Team Podcast. 
We hope we've positively influenced you and you've picked something up from the show that you can use in building and influencing other individuals or your team. Please join us soon for another program on the Voice America Business Channel.